Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I've got a fantastic guest for you today, but real quick before we get to them, I have to tell you about Certified Piedmontese because this is a brand I am so excited about. In fact, I will never forget the first time I had Certified Piedmontese. The crown jewel of my initial visit to Casa Bovina was a beautiful rib cap that was so lean and tender, it was almost silky in texture. The moment that beef hit my taste buds, I was hooked. These animals are raised all natural on a network of family ranches across the Midwest, so Certified Piedmontese is able to cut out the middleman and buy directly from the source. And while I highly encourage you to check out Casa Bovina, you can savor this beef at home, too. Whether you order off Piedmontese.com or by calling one 800 414-3487, your purchase will be shipped directly to your front door. Plus, when you use my discount code HOPPEN, H-O-P-P-E-N, you get 25% off your order. How can you beat that? So what are you waiting for? Get some steaks, burgers, bacon, or other meats and experience the certified Piedmontese difference for yourself today. And now, to my guest. Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I'm your host, Dan Hoppin', and few restaurant openings in Omaha in 2023, I think, had as much fanfare coming in as Salted Edge did. And a lot of that is due to just how beautiful of a restaurant this is. I mean, it is right off a lake in Waterloo. You could have an awesome time here, even if you didn't have one bite of food, but you would be really missing out if you didn't have any food because it is downright Excellent. I am a huge fan of this place already, and that is due to the hard work of the people sitting next to me today. Uh, I have executive chef uh, Joel Hassalani and his sous chef, Tierra Hope. Guys, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. So I got to start off with a question. You already even got asked out in the lobby today, but... It's just a good introduction to Salted Edge. Somebody who hasn't been for the first time, how would you describe the food, the atmosphere? How would you just describe the restaurant to somebody? Well, Salted Edge, we're a more of a upscale, casual, contemporary restaurant uh, where everyone is welcome, right? Uh, you can come up with some shorts from the, from the lake. You can wear a suit and tie. Everyone is welcome. Um, the food part of it is really taking it to the next level. And part of that menu development for me was pretty much uh, places that I've been and travel um, and wanted to show great food to Omaha. And it's just a great place for just to come in, relax, have a good time, have great food, great wine, great drinks. Sort of beautiful atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Joel, you've got more than 25 years of experience in the restaurant industry. And we'll, we'll get into your resume more as we get into this conversation. But I mean, a, a guy who's traveled and done as much as you have, I mean, you, I'm sure you have all kinds of different opportunities to open concepts, to open restaurants. What was it about this opportunity to be a part of Salted Edge that made you go, yes, I need to be a part of this? Well, I think the biggest thing for me was, like you said, doing this for 25 years, um, open a lot of restaurants. I think I opened 24 restaurants in my career. Um, And when this was presented to me by Greg and Ashley Young, um, our owners, he had a vision. They had a vision of this restaurant um, out at Waterloo, and he was looking for a chef. Um, And at that time, you know what? I was in a good place. But then the more we talked and just tried to listen to their vision on what they wanted to do, um, it just was kind of a no-brainer. It's kind of where he's like, chef, I want you to come in. 
as a chef, uh, he actually offered me to be a chef partner. And I think that is what changed because now I had an opportunity to actually put my stamp on something, help Bill create the restaurant um, and my vision on what I think it should look like, uh, what I think the menu should look like and so forth. And it was just a great opportunity and it's something I couldn't say no to. Now, I'm happy I didn't. <laughs> oh, I'm happy you didn't either. <laughs> let's, let's quickly create that differentiation for the audience. Chef versus chef partner. Uh, two very, very different things. Mm-hmm. But w- what's the main difference? Main difference is, is I'm a partner. I actually have ownership in the restaurant. Um, but for me, all through my career, no matter with this opportunity of being a, a chef partner, um, it's always having that ownership, right? Because if you're passionate and you love what you're doing, you take that ownership in it. Um, but it's just an opportunity to not only to grow, um, but it was a new challenge for me. It's something that I haven't done in my career, and I love a good challenge, so I accepted it, and here it is now. We'll get more into that challenge, but I got to hear from you, Tierra. How'd you get roped into this thing? How'd you end up at Salted Edge? <laughs> uh, basically, so I worked with Chef Joel in Chicago um, for about three years. And then he left to move back to Omaha, and he called me. He's like, Tira, I, I need you to take this job. And I'm like, uh, all right, I got you. So he, <laughs> he explained to me the concept of Salted Edge, and I was, like, pretty much roped in immediately. Um, I've never left home, so it was a big move for me. But uh, Salted Edge is it, – I'm, I'm glad I did it. It's, uh, it's challenging, like he was saying, but I took it because it's – a, a new role for me, like opening a new concept from scratch. So it was like pretty interesting to take. So I'm like, all right, let's do it. What roped you in immediately? Just the whole concept of Salted Edge. Like, cause we talk a lot before this job, but like just him explaining it to me and like what his vision was for it and what Greg's vision was. And I was like, all right, this is pretty cool. And Joelle, I mean, as you're thinking about how am I going to build this restaurant? How am I going to build my team? What was it about Sierra that made you go, that's somebody I need? I'm making that call to her right well, now. Well, you know what? We worked, like she said, we worked together um, in Chicago. Um, I remember this side side note on a story. When, when <laughs> we first started, um, the job that I accepted with, with uh, when she was working there, she didn't like me at all. <laughs> you know, I went, in, I went in there and I wouldn't say stole her job, but she you applied for the job. <laughs> she applied for We're it. We're getting spicy she here was, today. She was the sous chef um, and she applied for it. And I, you know, from internally, the company she was working with. And I went in there and I remember went into the kitchen. I had to do my <laughs> tasting. I had to do five, five courses. And I'm asking her for help, like, you know, things for the the kitchen and you know things to find and she would not have she gave me that look like and i was like okay um, I'm, I'm watching him do his tasting and i'm like he's gonna get the job <laughs> um so after all that said and done and, and i joined the team um we just clicked um she's someone that she wants to learn she's very ambitious she's passionate i look for any of my chefs that i hire. that's one of the things that i look for is passion you can't teach that um, I can teach every different things. I can teach techniques, you know, and, and so forth. But that's one part you can't teach. Um, not only that, just her leadership. Um, and that's when I left the company to come to Omaha. It was an obvious choice that she became the executive chef after I left. So um, when I did make that call to her, it was pretty much not only giving her the opportunity, but I know that it would be a great fit for her to step out of her comfort zone like she said never left Chicago and I'm like listen you need to come to Omaha it's going to be challenging 
but it'll be lots of fun and we'll get to create and do some fun things. And you guys are doing some fun things. And I, I love how wide ranging the menu is at Salted Edge because, I mean, you, you start looking down that thing and it's like there's deviled eggs to pasta to steak to wood fired pizza. Honestly, like that's a little bit not a, a red flag is too strong of a term but when i go to a restaurant and i see a menu that's that wide ranging i'm just like okay uh, you know is this a jack of all trades master of none type of situation and i'm happy to report that was not our uh experience at all at salted my wife and i had four different dishes all vastly different and all very excellent but i'm just curious like as you were putting the menu at salted edge together what was the strategy how did you decide what items to pull from your various backgrounds and experiences and create this one cohesive menu well what the the fun part about it was is after greg shared his vision and i put my vision in there i wanted something that after doing my research i wanted to bring something to west omaha that we don't have right um Started with the menu. Uh, to be honest with you, we tr- wanted to go farm to table. And then after doing, you know, research and really thinking about it, farm to table, that line is really, you know, that's a sensitive line to cross, especially here in, in, in Nebraska. Um, so we changed that from, you know, sourcing locally as much as possible. And, and that's what we try to do. So I wanted to put that into play when I actually developed this menu but I wanted to do a, ride, a wide range of different things. Um, wanted to have some steak. Greg was very passionate that we wanted to have pizza. It's like, all right, pizza. <laughs> um, but then I know, okay, you have to throw a pasta in there, right? People in Omaha, it's the Midwest. You have to have pasta. All right, let's do pasta. But let's make our own pasta. And I wanted to do something different and classic. And I just came out from Italy last year. And I was like, you know what, bolognese. But I wanted to put a twist on the bolognese. Um, and then for the appetizers, it's just some fun things that I have worked with before that I've tested and things that I've traveled with. And I was like, you know what? The breadboard, Ashley was like, we have to do a breadboard. I was like, already had that in my mind. But she's like, can we put butters and salt with it? No problem. So the breadboard came alive. Um, I just wanted to do something unique and different with that. Uh, devil eggs is something that I made at home. And I'm like, you know what? Let's spice this up a bit. Let's put some crispy shrimp on top. Um, and then I remember T and I, we talked about it, and we're like, we'll do tomato bacon jam. So just things that I wanted to just put different twists on things to make it unique, to bring to West Omaha, um, and make it fun. Um, we went through this menu, and I myself, with her, we were going through, and I was like, I think the menu's too big. We should cut it down. But we sat, and we're like, what do we pull off? You know, everything that we went on, they were like, what can we delete? And we just look at each other and decide. You can't cut your favorite kid from the baseball team. uh, Yeah, I was like, we just we just can't, you know. And then Greg tried a food and he was he was wowed by it. Um, And I was like, I want to take something. He's like, you can't, you know. So we kept it all on. um, And I won't say it's not challenging, but you know what? It it works. Right. It's, It's the biggest thing for me is is the best quality of products that we can get. Um, but it's really orchestrating the kitchen on us to actually execute this on a high level. And I think the team that I have is doing a tremendous job. Couldn't do it without my team, um, especially the person on my left here. Um, but, you know, just something different that we wanted to do. I love how in that answer you use the word twist. 
at least three or four times because I think that's kind of one of the cohesive through lines in the menu is that, yeah, somebody might look at it and say, oh, there's deviled eggs and French onion soup and there's a steak. But no, it's deviled eggs with that tomato bacon jam and crispy shrimp. It's French onion soup with braised short ribs. It's uh, um. <laughs> Sorry, it's a ribeye steak with bone marrow bordelaise and truffle béarnaise. I had to reference my notes right, to right. make sure I didn't <laughs> screw that one up. But what you're doing is you are taking dishes that are familiar to people, but you're presenting them in a way that they've probably never seen it before. How fun is that to just kind of blow people's minds a little bit and say, hey, you know what a steak is, but you've never had a steak like this. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's like I said, a lot of thought went into it. Um, and just not only that, I would lay in bed at night and just like, all right, a light switch went on. Ooh, you know what? I should do this. You know, how would this work? I remember, um, I was on a, I was going somewhere I was traveling to. I remember mid flight, I texted her and I was like, I'm going to change the scallop dish. And she's like, of course you are, you know, because I'm there and you know, just like a light bulb went off. I was like, you know what? We should do this. It's different. Literally, like um, a week before we opened. Yeah, literally. Like, and and like, right. she, she knows. I, I will switch things because, once again, if something is unique and I can make it different, um, I'll go for it. And not only that, it's challenging myself, too. With, with chefs, it's, it's really challenging yourself and getting out your comfort zone, right? Working with, with ingredients and different things that you may not have or pairing up different ingredients. And some things may stick and some things you may be like, you know what? Nah, it doesn't work. And something you'd be like, wow, okay, this is amazing. Um, so that's what we try to shoot for. We have fun all the time um, in the kitchen, just like, all right, let's try. We just came up with something on, on, on Saturday. Yeah. Saturday night, you know, we did a halibut ceviche, just playing around with some specials and stuff. And then at the end of the night, you know what? Let's open up some oysters. And we actually add the ceviche on top of the oysters with some of our house-made hot sauce, and then we fry some plantains, crust it up, and we ate it. And we're oh, like, oh, come on. We're like, all right, yeah, this That's this so is good. good. So it's just having those fun things and just throwing ideas, bouncing off each other, and just making it fun. At the end of the day, it's all about being fun and being fun, being creative. And that's what, that's what makes the job not a job. Mm-hmm. That's why we love what we do. What's your favorite example of that on the permanent menu right now? Fun and creative, something where maybe you didn't even know if it was going to come together well, but then you just taste it and you're just like, oh, yes, we found something good here. Mine uh, is definitely the wasabi Caesar. Okay. Yeah, it's the twist of like the Caesar dressing with the wasabi. It's so subtle. And when you taste it, it it just, it's amazing. Like, And we were kind of like messing around with it pretty much like at the beginning of menu development and we like you know should we use the paste or should we use the powder how about let's use both let's taste it with just one and just like we were just sitting there just eating the dressing all day because it was so good (laughs) we're like yeah that's it yeah definitely you know we're just like i said we just played around with stuff and then we're like you know what and we we had the caesar set and i was like t it's missing something how about we do some cured egg yolks like, all right, let's try it. So now it is grated cured egg yolks over the top. Um, but to hers is the seether. For mine, um, I like the scallop, and it's such a it's a it's a huge seller right yeah. now for us. And that's something that <laughs> that dish changed like three three times because yeah. on the plane, the the one I came up with was a pacini uh, mushroom dusted scallop, 
And we did that. And during training, we changed the whole dish to the dish on what it is now. And we did the bacon, the bacon uh, powder on there, the chive oil. We add um, the shaved Brussels sprouts with lard on bacon, sweet potato, and pomegranate. Kind of keep it seasonal. But you eat it all together. It's, yeah, it's so good. good. Yeah. Can you walk me through the development of a dish? And I'm sure that it varies from dish to dish. I'm, there are probably some that come together relatively easy, and then there are some that get adjusted more and more over time. But generally speaking, how does a dish kind of go from original concept, hey, we're going to put, we need a scallop dish on the menu, to, okay, now we're, we're serving this to guests and we feel good about it? Well, I think for me, it's, it's first to start off with that vision. Right, it's like putting it together. Like, all right, want to do a scallop dish? How do we start? Well, we know scallops is the main, the main ingredient. Um, what can we compose with that? Um, for this particular scallop dish, was we wanted to hit the seasonal. We're getting into the fall, so we wanted to use seasonal, uh, seasonal ingredients. Um, so it starts off with just jotting some things down and having a discussion. You know, like, all right, do we think this would work? Um, and then we'll just get into play mode, go into the kitchen and just start working with some things, right? Just coming up with things together. Um, we go through the whole fact of, you know, costing out the menu and stuff like that. But the first, the first part of it is like, all right, what does that look like? What kind of flavors we're trying to get out of this dish, right? Flavors, textures um, that we're trying to get out of this dish and then shoot for it, um, Sometimes, you know, the first try is like, man, this is good. And sometimes it's like, all right, we need to do, we need to add certain things. Maybe we should pull certain things out. Uh, how about we just switch it up? Um, we have done that several times, even mm-hmm. with the chicken. Um, we have made that, um, that verde, I don't know, so many times. The first time we made it, we're like, man, this is good, you know. But then we made it again. We're like, no, nah, let's switch it up, you know. And we did. And I remember... I actually put her on that task, and I was like, all right, you need to work on that verde sauce. Here's the ingredients. Now go. And she actually came up with it, and pretty good. And the only thing I added to it was my chef spice. I was like, that's ah, missing a little chef spice in there, which is the same spice we use for the chicken. Um, and that's just one of the things that, you know, you go through in the process, you know, of tweaking things and changing things and so forth until you get it to that point where it's like, all right, this is a wow factor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tierra, what's the level of creativity that you're allowed at Salted Edge compared to previous restaurants you've worked at? He lets me do whatever I want, as long as he tastes it. <laughs> 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 Which our palates are pretty similar. <clears throat> so, like, we kind of look for the same things in our dishes. So we we bounce off of each other a lot. So I think, I think after, like, five years, he kind of trusts me a little bit. It's probably earned. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it so, takes it takes a while. It takes a while. Definitely takes a while. Once uh once I have that trust, you know, and I and like I said, the whole reason of her being here is because I trusted her. So I was like, hey, and I you know, with any chef once, you know, their right hand person is someone that they can trust and they can rely on. And definitely can rely on trustee. So it's been great. Now for all the like you know, really creative dishes and amazing preparations as you guys do with proteins. You know, you were talking about making your own pasta. The dish that is just the most buzzworthy and probably that most people associate with Salted Edge when it 
pops to the front of their brain is that breadboard. And it, it is, this, we do live in the Midwest. We like to start every meal with bread. But when someone hears breadboard, they think, okay, you know, you got, you know, maybe a sourdough, maybe a ciabatta with some butter. No, 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 no. That's not what you guys are doing. You guys have four wildly different breads on this plate. There's a honey-dipped cornbread, Parmesan cayenne popovers, herb butter buns, and orange rosemary biscuits. And they're all paired with different butters and salts that, like, have that specific flavor profile to match with that bread. And it's amazing to me because, like, when you think, you know, a a cornbread and a popover are completely different. It's not like you're just creating four breads and then, you know, putting different butters or putting slightly different flavors. It's a different texture. It's a different everything. You kind of mentioned that one of the owners said, hey, we need a breadboard. So when she says, okay, we need a breadboard, how did you go from just like basic whatever breadboard the most people expect to this masterpiece? (laughs) Uh, It goes back to um, when I lived in New York, we kind of did something similar to that um, in the restaurant I worked with and we did different breads. So in my mind, I already knew that I wanted to do something like that, similar um, to that. So when Ashley said, you know, need to do a bread, but I was like, done. I was like, I already plan on that. Um, and they'll have butters, but she's like, we're salted edge. How about we have, she actually wanted, um, like you said, like a sourdough bread with butters and different salts. And I was like, don't want to have two bread boards. So let's just actually add the salt into this breadboard with the butters and get the right salt. So we did, uh, T and I met up one day at the bakery and we just start making this and the butters were already set, had the recipes and stuff for the butters, but was finding the right salt to pair up with it. And we tried so many different salts. That was fun. Um, <laughs> so many different salts we've tried, um, with the butter to get that right, that right, um, flavor profile we're looking for. So this is why with the popover, we have the, uh, sun-dried tomato butter with the jalapeno salt. But when you eat it, it just works, right? You get the sweetness, um, from the sun-dried tomato, but then the jalapeno has that, that salt flavor, but then you get a little a little pop, right? A little pop of heat, which is really, really nice when you're having that pop over, especially when it's fresh out of the oven. It's nice, it's hot, it's light, it's flaky. Um, and then the uh, the goat cheese, I mean, sorry, the cornbread. Uh, cornbread is the only one that doesn't have a salt, um, but it has the, the um, whipped goat cheese with drizzle of local honey and then the roasted corn that goes on top, and then a little bit of uh, lavender that gives that flavor. Lavender and honey works well together. We're like, you know what? Yeah, this works. Um, um, The biscuit, we tried the biscuit. We had two different biscuits. We were either going to go with the orange sage or the orange rosemary, and we both love the orange rosemary because we figure we can get more out of it. One, um, people relate more to rosemary than than sage. and then we're already thinking about things in the future of making a uh, breakfast sandwich with the same biscuit. Mm-hmm. Um, and we figured the rosemary will be well. And I actually made it on Saturday to test it out, doing R&D. I went in the restaurant early on Saturday and I uh, did uh, a fennel, fennel maple sausage with egg, um, uh, not Havati. Um, yeah, Havati cheese um, with the biscuit and... Can't wait for you to try it, Dan. You are I'm killing me you. right it's, now, man. Breakfast sandwiches so are one good. of my favorite things in the world. And oh I, my I know that because I remember seeing that one uh, video that you had when you were having a breakfast sandwich. Can't wait for you to try this one because oh. I tried it. It's just so unique. 
because of the orange and the, the rosemary flavor into the biscuit has a nice a sweet tone to it. It's, it'll be there soon. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you just put the bat signal out. I'll be there without a doubt. So a lot of this menu, like I said, it's kind of wide ranging. But when you kind of look at it, it, it makes sense together. And then all of a sudden there's wood-fired pizzas. I feel like that just kind of jumps out of left field. It's like, hey, we got pizza too. But you said that one of the owners was passionate and he was like, hey, you know, we want to have pizza on this menu. What was that conversation like? Was that something where you were like, yeah, let's do it? Or was it like, uh, does that fit with the rest of the concept? Yeah, it was. uh, We had that conversation. He loves loves pizza. Um, He's like, you got to have pizza on the menu, chef. I was like, okay. Uh, so part of that too is, the, is developing the restaurant. So part of throwing that curveball, we already had started certain things with the restaurant, and now said he wants pizza. It's like all right. That's why if you look at the restaurant, it's separated because mm-hmm. um, I wanted not only if we're going to do the pizza, if we're going to do pizza, we're going to do it right. So I wanted awesome pizza oven, which we did our research and we got a great one. Um, the dough is very very important, so we did a lot of research on doughs. Um, but with that part, um, once again, accepting the challenge, he said he wanted pizza. I was like, all right. I was like, but it's going to be probably about four or five because his range, he, he had so many ideas. We should do this. I was like, pizza is a tough one. Um, but part of, part of wanting a pizza, um, pizza in the restaurant, look at where we're at in West Shores. There's nothing really out there. And he's like, listen, pizza, people are going to order pizza to go. You have to have pizza, chef. And I was like, okay. So, yeah, we have six great pizzas. Um, two of them is going to be seasonal, which we'll switch on and off. Um, but, like I said, it was a bit challenging, but now it all works. We, we, we made it work. Um, people love the pizzas. We get really great feedback on pizzas. Even with that development, too, you have to have your classics, right? So we have... The margarita, we have a spicy pepperoni. Then after that, it's like, all right, what's next? You know? So then we talked about the truffle, right? Mm-hmm. Mushrooms, wild mushroom truffle pizza with a, um, a bechamel, a gray bechamel. But truffle, mushroom, we need something to sexy it up. All right, let's put an egg yolk in there. Oh, right? there you go. So we have an egg in the center of it. So when you're eating that pizza, you have the egg yolk, the runny egg yolk. All the flavors go together. Some nice fresh thyme over the top once it comes off. Um, we have one of my favorite pizza is the sausage burrata with broccolini. And that pizza was actually just sausage and burrata. And I think, was it spinach? Spinach, yeah. But then I'm like, we tried it. It's like really charred good. broccolini. It's like, I love broccolini, the charred flavor of the broccolini with the sausage, with the burrata. That came alive. And I mean, that's my, f- I have yeah, that pizza that's... at least twice a week. Oh, wow. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Like, you know, it's, we're busy. We're constantly uh-huh. going. It's like the easiest thing to have is like, you know what? Throw a pizza in the oven. You know, and they were like, chef, what? And so they already know. Now they, once I say pizza in the oven, my guys already know sausage and burrata, chef. <laughs> yep. That's what I want. Um, we have a butternut squash pizza, um, butternut squash pizza, brulee onions, um, maple bacon, um, and pickled Fresno chilies. And so with that, that's another one where you get layers of flavors. You get in the sweetness from, from the uh, butternut squash and the brulee onions, but you get a little bit of that heat. Um, then you have the bacon. Um, 
and that's seasonal. And that's going to be changing pretty soon. We have a, a unique pizza that's coming on the menu um, in about two weeks. Yeah. Something different, unique with a nice twist. Okay. I won't push you on that because that just, <laughs> that just gives people a reason to follow Salted Edge on social media and come into the restaurant. Be- I mean, you see the excitement on their faces here. Like, yeah. this is, this is going to be a good pizza. Um, yeah, you are just killing me right now because, like, <laughs> I already – the next time I came in, I wanted to try the pasta. I wanted to try the short rib. And now you've given me, like, three or four more things. I'm just like, okay, I guess I'm having, like, 6,000 calories that night. <laughs> but I, I want to talk a little bit more about the wood-fired oven because I've had chefs on this show who have worked w- with wood-fired ovens for – years sometimes even their whole careers and they talk about how they struggle with it i mean it is a beast unto itself there are hot spots in the oven you have to know when to move the pizza to to different parts of the oven when to rotate the pizza to get that that chewiness but still a little bit of crispiness as well what like as you're putting in or maybe you guys had experience with wood-fired ovens in the past i'm not sure how did you like level up your game to feel comfortable using the wood-fired oven for service. Well, I just want to make a quick correction on it. Oh, it's sure. actually a, a brick oven pizza, not wood. Fair. But we also have the option that you can actually run it as a dual. So you can actually run it with both gas and and wood. Okay. And I choose not to because, like you said, it is challenging yes. finding those spots and stuff. Um, we wanted to. We wanted to do a uh, a wood a wood fire oven, um, but we made that change because of, like you said, some of those challenging. And once again, pizza is just something that I won't say it's challenging, but finding that right talent to get these things done um, with the wood fire pizza, you have that slight, slight, you know, margin for error, right? Because like you said, finding the hot spot, I mean, you have four to five pizzas in there. You better be in there just like moving them around because that hot spot and then boom, your pizza is burned. So we switched that up uh, Right before we actually placed the order for the for the oven, we decided to go with the gas. But the good thing is we have the option that we can add wood anytime we wanted to in there. But we stick with gas only because of that that challenge. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good clarification. Mm-hmm. I I appreciate you doing that. No, definitely. So I, I love that I got to have both of you guys on the podcast today because I'd love to talk about the relationship between chef and sous chef. What is that like for you guys? What What are your responsibilities? together well at the end of the day it's a collaboration right um definitely a collaboration and every chef needs you know not only great people but that right hand person that they can rely on um because in my line of work i am i am stretched really thin i am doing so many different things menu development making sure the restaurant is ready but you know you have the financial part of it too um especially the new restaurant right it's all about like you said Everyone is coming into a restaurant, right, not expecting what they're expecting when they walk in there. Um, but it's all about that wow factor and to make sure that, you know, we keep everyone happy. And that's part of my job. But with, with Chef T and the collaboration is, you know, I can't be everywhere at once, right? So it's having her second pair of eyes where, like, T's in charge of training the staff, uh, coaching. Um, she's, she orders everything for the restaurant, um, we collaborate on, on food together. But the relationship has to start off with, with that trust. I have to be able to trust her um, because when I'm not in the building or when I'm in the building, it's like I always tell her, run it like you own it. So even if I'm there, 
run the restaurant like if it's yours. doesn't matter if I'm there or not. Um, and that's really giving, you know, a lot to, to a sous chef. Well, executive sous, meaning that she is, she's in that level. She's right there, right there underneath me. So the next time you see chef, she would be executive chef, not executive sous. Um, but it's just, it starts off with that trust because there's a lot I throw on her plate, right? There's a lot of things that I would just pass it off to her and she knows that, you know, she's going to be challenged. And part of that is, I want to see how much you can do. So I'm just going to put stuff on your plate. If it's too much, you can push back and like, chef. And you know what? She haven't yet. You know, she haven't yet say, you know, chef, it's too much. No, she takes it on because um, she want to be great. Um, and she will be. She'll be a great chef. Um, I won't say one day. I would say soon. Um, so it's all about just keeping her interested, keeping her knowing that, motivated that, you know, there's, there's something waiting for you. Um, so that's why I put I put a lot of her. What's it like to have that level of trust, Tier? You know what? It's amazing. I'm not gonna lie. Like uh, working with Chef, having that trust, and my job is to take as much off of his plate as possible. So, like we just we work well together. I know when he's being stretched to his thinnest point. So I ask him, Chef, what do you need from me? What can I take from you? Um, especially with us being in the restaurant now. I just try to run it, like he said, run it like it's mine. So that way, that's one thing that he doesn't have to worry about because I know that his mind is like 10 steps ahead. They're thinking about concept two and three and four. So you focus on that. Let me do what we have here now. So it works out nicely. I mean, he does put a lot on my plate, but the things that I need from him, like he knows what I need. Like I'll tell him, chef, this is important. You need to do this right now. And he'll be like, all right, all right, all right. So... (laughs) We, we work well together. It's a nice give and take. We trust each other. And we're also, like, we have a great relationship, so we can be honest with each other. I'll pull him outside and be like, hey, like, hey, that wasn't cool, or vice versa. <laughs> like, we have cooler talks. Yes, the cooler talks. We have cooler talks. The cooler talks. So. I think every every um, chef that listened to the podcast, they know about the cooler talks, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. But, um, yeah, she knows. She, she can look at me and just know. I don't have to say much. She she knows, you know. I won't say do my dirty work, but in the sense of RIT, you know, we need to go take care of that or that person. And she's like, chef, got it, done. So, Well, I've even seen that in this conversation, just the the side glances that you guys have each other, the way your eyes meet. And like, <laughs> like when I'm asking a question, you guys will look at each other and both smile and be like, okay, I know he's going to talk about that dish. Or he's going to tell that story. Like that's a chemistry that, that takes a lot of time. And I mean, we've used the word trust a lot, but trust to form. How do you, or how important is it to when, you know, when you're talking about, I've got a lot of stuff that's happening that's on my plate that's outside the kitchen to have somebody that you can trust to run the kitchen, I imagine that's, I mean, that's imperative, but it's also extremely hard to find, right? Yes. I mean, definitely. It, it takes takes years. Like she said, you know, it, it took us five years, you know, to get here, um, especially with, with Salted Edge, right? It's, it's, and she knows that. Everyone knows it. It's my baby, right? And so it's hard to let go. It's hard to, like, say, okay, I'm going to be off today. Like, literally, she's like... <laughs> Take a day off, chef. It'll be fine. Or I'll text her, hey, how is everything? Do I need to come in? Nope, you don't need to come in, right? Um, and that part of it feels good for me, right? Knowing that she will do whatever she needs to do to make sure that, one, and I can see this in front of her, she would never disappoint me, right? She would do whatever 
she needs to do not to disappoint me. Um, but also, no, she knows how important the restaurant is to all of us, and she knows what's at stake, and she knows that, hey, he's trusting me to run this like I own it. She's going to make those, you know, I allow her to, to make those decisions, also allow her to make mistakes, right? Because we learn from, us, we learn from our, our mistakes. Um, I always tell her, don't make the same mistake twice, but learn from it. So I allow her to make mistakes, and she have made a lot of mistakes, and not here in Salted Edge, but where we first started working in Chicago, but I also see the development. I also see the growth and the maturity. Um, and that plays a big part on having that trust. Um, because it was a time where um, in Chicago, the other position, I was, you know, I had got promoted to be a um, regional. So I was traveling a lot. So I had to leave her in charge of the restaurant. Um, and yeah, no, she she did well. Like I said, when, when Salted Edge was born, my obvious choice, my number one pick, is standing right here before I, and I've worked with a lot of great um, chefs. I have mentored a lot of great uh, individuals, but it was a no-brainer to to say, "Hey, you know, not only good for me because um, I actually talked to my wife about it. I was like, I'm getting Tierra, and I know why because I know what I'm getting, right? I know what I'm getting um, with her. I also know as someone that I can trust. So it was it was easy." Hey there, listeners. We'll get back to my guest in a minute, but I got to remind you one more time about Certified Piedmontese. There are certain moments in your life that are so remarkable, you'll just never forget them. I distinctly remember the first time that I watched LeBron James play basketball and the first time I saw the original Star Wars. The sheer awe I had in those moments changed the way I look at basketball and movies, respectively, moving forward. The same goes to steak, thanks to Certified Piedmontese. The rib cap at Casa Bovina is so rich, decadent, and fork tender that it is seared into my brain. But you don't have to dine at Casa Bovina to have that same life-changing experience. This beef is so delicious, even the average home cook can look like a superstar using these steaks, roasts, and ground beef. Trust me, I know from experience. Check out all the options on CertifiedPiedmontese.com and use my promo code HOPPEN. H-O-P-P-E-N, for 25% off your order. It's time to start creating new beef-centric memories that'll stay with you forever. And now, back to my guest. Uh, I want to I get back to Salted Edge real quick, um, but th- there's, there's something I got to ask you about, Joel, and from your previous stops. And we, we could probably go two or three hours of podcasting <laughs> just talking about your career because there are so many fascinating components of it that I want to ask you about. But the one that I can't pass up is working with the professional Miami sports teams, the Marlins and the Dolphins. I've never had a chef on the podcast. I've never had a conversation with a chef who worked for teams before. So I'm just going to leave this pretty wide open and you can take it whatever direction you want. But like, what was that like? And how did that differ from being a chef in a restaurant? Um, very challenging. I'll tell you that much. Um, you know, I had a great experience. I was there for like three and a half, four years. Um, I've learned a lot, but the one thing it's 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 always like with any chef. It's always you have to be ready, game on, right? And literally, game on. Um, but that experience for me, um, that was early in my career. So it, it and the reason why that's the reason why I said it was challenging because it was like really early in my career when I first moved to Florida and I started working there and I didn't start it off as the chef. 
it literally started as the chef assistant. Um, and then right in the middle of the season, the, the chef got, uh, got hurt. And um, I remember the executive chef called me in the office and he's like, we're not going to bring anyone else. We're going to have you. I've been looking at you. I mean, you've been doing a great job. I'm going to have you finish the baseball season, you know, running it for the team. Um, and we'll see how it, you know, how it goes, you know. And I remember after baseball season, he called me in the office like, you know what? Are you ready for football? And I was like, yeah. He's like, all right, well, you got it. This is your gig now. Um, and that, man, that was a huge wow factor for me. It was like, okay. And then once again, talking about trust, I mean, he trusted me, right? Um, we work well together. But that is just dealing with the players. I've met great players, hang out with great players, but, you know, they're demanding. Certain things, they, <laughs> certain things that they want, um, you know, so just feeding them. But not only that, though, after taking care of the players, we also had, I was in charge of all the, uh, the skybox. So we had oh, those yeah. as well, too, right? Um, and then for football, we also had a, uh, it's called a game day buffet, where we do these different uh, themes. Every, uh, every game will be a different theme. You know, we'll do Mexican theme. We'll do so many different things. Um, ice carving. That's where I learned to do ice carving as well. My chef taught me how to do ice carving. Um, and we would do ice carving every week. And that was, I mean, the experience working for the Dolphins and the Marlins was just amazing. Um, I actually get the experience the Marlins World Series as well, you know. In 2001? Uh, or 97? Yeah, 97, yeah. okay. Um, I was part of that, um, and that thing was insane. It's <laughs> it's long nights, long days, but you know what? It's an experience that I'll never forget. It was just awesome. I could pick your brain on that forever because, I mean, like, just all the unique things that come along with that with, I mean, so many so many different athletes they have their personal palates they have different mm-hmm. you know nutrition things that some guys want to gain weight some guys want to lose weight some guys are all about putting on muscle like i imagine just balancing all that is insane we don't have time to go into that today but <laughs> m- maybe another time we can have an episode 2.0 okay but uh correct me if i'm wrong on this but your introduction to omaha was working here at crave right yes yes in 2014 Okay. Yes, I was the R&D chef for Craven Midtown. And then you you went to another Crave, but obviously Omaha must have left some kind of an impression on you because you're back now. What was it about that stint in Omaha that made you think, huh, this isn't a place that I wouldn't mind coming back to? Um, you know what? It's, well, opportunity for one. Uh, for the second time coming back around, it was an opportunity. But at that time, um, my wife now, uh, we're dating and, you know, we moved here and we had a great time, right? Um, no kids. You know, so she had a great time loving the city. I was working a lot. Um, but the second time around, we had two young ones, you know, a five-year-old and an eight-year-old. And when, we, when this opportunity, um, you know, came three years ago uh, to move back to Omaha, we literally looked at each other like it's a great place to raise a family. But also, too, I know the food scene um, had so much potential. Just knowing certain restaurants when I was here, um, would crave um, Grey Plume was was out there. Miss mm, um, Grey Plume, yeah, Grey Plume was out there. Some other restaurants downtown, and you know, I realized that the food scene had so much potential um, that I would love to come here and just you know show what I can do. You know, and I've lived in so many big cities. Omaha is the smallest city I've lived in, but you know, 
won't change it. I love it. This is this is home. This is going to be home for a while, a long while. My wife said I can't move again. So, <laughs> so I'll, I'll be here for a minute. Now, I would love to get both of you guys' perspectives on this because, obviously, I'm majorly biased, but I think Omaha's food scene is amazing. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's growing a lot. Like you said, you even saw the potential last time you were here. But you guys have come from outside, uh, you know, Chicago, obviously, an incredible food scene. W- when you look at Omaha's food scene, just what's your overall take? Is there something that you think we're really strong in, something that we're missing? Like, do you see it on the rise? Well, when you just think about the Omaha food scene, what do you think, Tira? Uh, I, honestly, I like it. I think that it's ve- it's very much like on a incline. So I feel like moving here now, it's like, the perfect time because there's a lot of new restaurants emerging. There's a lot of new stuff happening. Um, of course, like being from Chicago, it's not Chicago. Your pizza's trash here. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean, I'm like pleasantly surprised, like visiting different neighborhoods and trying new concepts. Like it's, it's cool. It's a lot cooler than I thought it was going to be, to be honest. But, but I like, I like where it's at now and it's definitely like going upwards. And it's cool to be a part of that, especially being a part of Salted Edge. Salted Edge so, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Let's get into the design of the restaurant, because I think that's part of something that's different between that chef and chef partner is you get more of a voice in what is the restaurant going to look like? How do I get to set up my kitchen to set me and my team up for success? So as you're starting to think about not just menu design, but the restaurant itself and the kitchen itself and what it's going to look like. What are some of the elements that you're just like, I need this? Well, one of it was an open kitchen. Right off the bat, uh, when we first started designing it, it wasn't really designed. When I came on board, I came on board not exactly in the beginning stage. Um, so there were some things that, you know, was already started in the design. Um, and I remember when I did came on board, it's like, all right, we're going to scratch that. We're going to start over. <laughs> um, probably it's my reason why we just opened in October because we pushed back, you know, so many things to get <laughs> to get changed. Um, but one of it was definitely an open kitchen. I wanted everyone to see. We have nothing to hide. Um, so I wanted everyone to actually see and experience that experience, experience what, you know, the collaboration and the orchestration of a chef and his 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 team um, so I wanted that, right? Because um, it, it's fun. I like to go in a restaurant when I can just sit back and just just watch it happen. I love that, you know? Um, so I wanted to do the same thing here for Salted Edge. Um, and then we had the chef table, and I wanted to design that where we can have that chef table experience. Um, because one, um, and just piggybacking on what the question you asked T is, there's a lot of talented chefs here in, in Omaha, and I respect all of them. And I think, you know... Cities need to watch out because we're coming. Omaha, we're, we're coming, right? Because we have some really talented chefs. I go to a lot of restaurants. I love to eat out and just seeing their creativity. Um, and you can see the, the chef's vision on what, you know, he or she's trying to do. Um, you got to respect that. Um, but some of the things going to these restaurants is like, all right, what can I do differently? But what can I bring that some of these restaurants don't have? And... You know, seeing certain restaurants design and stuff, I wanted ours to be, like I said, open, um, where you know you can only see the couple pans was one of my things that I just had to have couple pans on there because kind of that wow factor. Um, obviously, you've seen it where it's kind of that 
boxed out um, where we have a little hole, you must say, where uh, we can actually interact with the guests. And that was one of the biggest things for me. That design changed several times because it literally were bar stools to look into the kitchen. Um, and with the chef table behind that, and then I switched it up. And I switched it up because I wanted a chef table to be the main focus in the kitchen where you can sit, you can actually interact with the guests, right? The chefs can interact with the guests. But also in the vision for the future, which will start next year, is having that chef table experience, right? Where it's going to be, you know, like a six-course dinner. Oh, come on. Um, Let's go. And so it's going to be a six-course tasting, but no menu. And I wanted to do something like that in a sense of I thought about it. Um, I invite a lot of people to my home for dinners and stuff. But when you invite someone to your home, do you get a menu? No. You don't, right? So that was my take on our chef table. I'm inviting you into my home to have a great experience. So once we start this next year, like I said, it'll be uh, six to seven courses. It'll be a tasting menu, but just no menu. We're just going to have fun with it. We're going to do some really cool creative things with it. Um, And we're going to explain every dish and interact with the guests. And part of that, too, um, before Salted Edge opened up, I was, you know, traveling a lot doing the private chef, private chef gig. And, you know, a lot of my clients, they just love that. While I'm cooking, they would literally come up and just stand there and ask questions and interact and so forth. So I wanted to bring that into Salted Edge. Um, so that was part of that design, um, equipment. Yeah. You gotta have, you gotta have good stuff and great stuff. Um, we actually have a catering kitchen in our kitchen as well. So we have two prep rooms. We have prep one and prep two and prep two is for the catering. So we have a lot of, uh, multiple different, um, equipments for once we start doing our catering and stuff. So it was well thought out for the future and what we actually want Salted Edge to be. So it took a lot of time. Um, we have a lot of equipment in our restaurant. Um, and then part of it, too, designing is like orchestrating what would work, right? Knowing the dishes that I'm putting on the menu, right? What would work? What stations would work? How can we, you know, I would say not, not collaborate, but schematic-wise, how it would operate, right? With station to station, with certain things would pass because not everything on, on the grill station is from start to finish. They might have to get certain sides or certain accompaniments from maybe saute or so forth. So it's really mapping that out on what that looks like and does it make sense operationally? Once we open up, can it can it move back and forth, right? Can it, where it is no, um, don't want to say any hiccups, but where it can just smooth, mm-hmm. just a smooth trans- transition between station to station. Um, so yeah, it took a lot of thought. Um, really happy and excited the way it came out. Um, yeah. Would there be some things I would change in the future still? Because you learn. You know, you learn with certain things like, mm, maybe this should have gone here, this should have been here. It's one thing to um, see it in concept, but, but then to actually, you know, yeah. when the, yeah. went in the live fire mm-hmm. to actually experience it, you're just like, oh, yeah, maybe this would have been better shifted a little bit. Yeah, so, you know, the good thing is we're changing some things as we, we go. Yeah, we change things uh, every we, day. We change a lot, but yeah. that's, that's part of it, right? Yeah. That's part, especially with this being... You know, the first concept, number one, right? Mm-hmm. You'll learn from number one. So once number two gets going, you'll be like, all right, I remember that. Nope, maybe we'll switch that around. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. Man, I am just you talking about that chef's dinner. That just sounds 
incredible. And I, I love tasting menus, but m- most tasting menus will give you like some kind of a menu that kind of tells you what to expect. The best meal of my life was an omakase where you just went in and you were just like, I have no idea what I'm getting tonight. I don't even know how many courses I'm getting tonight, but the chef is right there and he constructed everything right in front of you. You could talk to him. You could ask him questions phenomenal experience i'm not saying that's exactly what this would be but something similar along those lines i think is just very very exciting and gosh i have like so much so many (laughs) questions and we're running up against the clock now so i'm gonna have to limit it to a couple more but i always like to hear about the opening experience especially for new restaurants and that's the kind of response (laughs) that i love to see because that means that there's a story there so take me back to opening night hours going into opening night wherever you want to take this what do you remember most about the opening of salted edge what memory pops to the front of your brain there's so many i don't know which one to choose (laughs) (laughs) i'll let you go first uh okay mine was probably just like going to the bathroom and praying (laughs) <laughs> like before service, like literally going into the family restroom and like praying that we got through the night because between training and we kept getting pushed back to actually get in the restaurant in time to train. So we were like day to day, like, OK, we have all this staff. We need to train them. We don't have a kitchen to train them. in. <laughs> so we were just like coming up with stuff on the fly just to try to get them engaged and to learn the food. And we literally had what, like nine days before we opened. Yeah. In the restaurant, we had to, in those nine days, get the entire kitchen set up, break out all of our small wares, clean the kitchen, and train in nine days. <laughs> so we were pulling, like, 16-hour days trying to train. Like, it was wild. And then when we finally did open, we were like, okay, <laughs> like, we made it. We're here. We're good. And just getting through that first day and just seeing people actually in the restaurant, for me, being on this project for the last six months, like that was my, we made it moment. Like uh, it was just amazing to just actually see people in the building and we're cooking. Like it was by no means perfect, but it was, it was good. It was a good feeling. Yeah, no, it definitely was like, you know, like T said, it was just, it was go time. You know, yeah. that's, that's just perfect way to put it. It was go time. It was like, we've been waiting for this for so long. Um, with, you know, with, Getting the date and then being pushed back and then being pushed back. And for me, um, it's all about if we're going to do it, we're going to do it right. So I didn't want to rush into it, even though it's like, man, we want to open. But I remember talking to Greg and I was like, listen, this is the date. I was like, I, I think because we had dates. I think we had what it was it four days prior before we opened, And then we yeah. changed. And I was like, you know, I was like, no, nah. I was like, I want to make sure that to me, it's very important. Um when you open up this this restaurant, right, and the hype is there and people can't wait for it to open up, the last thing you want to disappoint, right? So my biggest thing is in order for us to be successful, it's all about, one, hiring the right people, but training. And that part to me is very important. So that part I didn't want to not only cheat the guests, but cheat the staff on not giving them the proper training that they need because of my expectation and standards are so high um, and they're really high. So with that, I wanted to make sure that I give them all the tools they need so they can succeed. Yeah. So with the training part of it, yeah, we did some, you know, we did an AM class, a PM class just to get in. I told the staff, 
if you can make it to both, is beneficial for you. So a lot of staff were cooking in the a.m. and the p.m., you know, and we keep them engaged. They loved it once they start seeing the food um, and tasting it. You know, they were all in, right? And us both cooks and servers. Um, for me, it, it's for me, it's walking in that night. Um, we had the, and this was like open and open at night. We had the friends and family, and we know friends and family, you know, was like, all right, here it is, right? <laughs> um, but with having actually paying guests in the building, having the red carpet, cutting the ribbon and stuff, and having some really important people in my life that was, that was there to share that moment. But once we open and people were coming in and just seeing their faces, that to me was amazing because they haven't even tried the food yet. Just coming in, looking at the restaurant is like, wow, they didn't expect this, right? Um, going through a patio and seeing that, you know, you don't, you're in Omaha, but you're not really in Omaha. You don't feel right? like it. You don't feel mm-hmm. like it at all, right? Um, and then once the food goes, is going out and you're seeing the food and we're touching everything, tasting everything, and everyone is just like blown away and wow factor. To me, that's what it's all about. And that was, that was open at night for me. I mean, I remember, shoot, I went home late that night. I remember my wife and the kids came, they left. Um, we stayed until like, until we shut down and yeah. it's like, all right, we're going to have some cocktails now. Yeah. Celebrate. It was a good night. Had, had post-shift with my staff. Uh, that's something that we always do. We have a pre-shift and we have a post-shift, whether it's, it's, not a good night. Oh, it's a great night. We always let the staff know, hey, great job. Here's the opportunities we need to work on. We're going to be better tomorrow. Tomorrow is always the next day, right? So it's always what can we learn from today so we can fix that for the next day. Um, so we had that. And I remember just walking out and looking at the building and be like, man, we, we did it. People were happy. It was, mm-hmm. it was great. Well, I think that's what you're saying there. That's one of the benefits of the open kitchen too because so many times I think about an open kitchen from two perspectives from from the diner's angle one like you said it's fun to watch like to watch you guys do your jobs to watch you cook like that's awesome two it's great to have that accountability where you can see everything that's going on and you know okay these guys aren't you know taking any shortcuts because i can see everything they're doing but then there's that added bonus benefit from you guys side where you get to see people enjoy the food you're not just in the back separated by a wall but you can see and i know you're busy so you're not just watching people but <laughs> like when a dish comes to somebody's table and you can kind of see their eyes light up or they take yeah. a bite like that you know maybe that gives you that extra jolt of energy when you're yeah i'm 10 hours into this shift and i'm ready to get out of here but that person is happy i made them mm-hmm. happy right now yeah. so yeah just a little another added benefit to the open kitchen oh, no, definitely it's just like i said and and our, our kitchen and our restaurant is open. So you it can, is wide you can, open. You can see, right? You can see who's having a great time. People are laughing. You know, it's loud. They're drinking, having a great time eating. I'm seeing the servers bringing plates back. I sometimes always look to make sure, are they all empty or not? <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, that part to me is just is just great. All right, two more questions for you guys, and mm-hmm. I will let you get out of here. But I like to ask these questions to just about everyone who comes on this show, and I think... With you guys' varied backgrounds and careers, I'm really interested to hear your answers. First one is this. Uh, what is one thing about restaurant lives and, and cooking that you wish, that you don't think diners understand, that you wish they did understand? 
I'll let you go first on that one. <laughs> just uh, the back part of it, right? Just what we go through as chefs, right, with the preparation. All right, so I'll answer it this way. The restaurant business is challenging, right? It is very challenging. You have to love this, right? You can't just say you're doing it for the money. You have to love what you do. But there's so many things that the guests, they have no idea, right, on the day-to-day, you know. And some examples, staff calling out, right, um, a truck, we're not getting our deliveries on time, or equipment breaking down or so forth, right? Um, it's our job to make sure they don't feel that I experienced that, right? But I think a lot of times it's uh, the guests. And, and you know what? We have some good ones here. We haven't had an experience where I'll use the word impatient, right, and understanding. Mm-hmm. We, have has, we have a lot of uh, patient and understanding guests that's coming through our building. But I think a lot of, you know, diners don't really get that in the sense of there's so many things that, that goes on in a day-to-day. Even right before we open up, we can have, you know, two guys call out, oh, you know what? We can't get hot water or chef, my fryer is not turning on, you know, all of these things. And you don't get a cancel service. And you, you don't get to take anything off the menu. You right? got to figure you, it out. You have to figure it out and make sure that they don't, they don't experience it. Right. They don't know what's happening on the backside. Um, and not only that, man, it, it takes a toll on chefs. It's like, you have to love it, but man, there's days where you're like, Ooh, you know, I, I love what I do, but man, this was a rough one, you know? Um, but yeah, that's, that's my take on it. I mean, I think after COVID, I think now, um, diners are more understanding and I think more of appreciated of chefs and what the restaurant industry brings. Thanks. We had to eat our own cooking for two years and we're like, Hey, (laughs) restaurants are pretty awesome and we should appreciate them more. You know, but I think before that, you know, waiting 20 minutes for a meal, people would lose their mind where now I think. You know, you learn to appreciate it. I mean, I myself, uh, I go into the kitchen. When I go into restaurants and I'm waiting a while for my food or seeing a server, you know, just running their butt off or whatever, I, I get it. I understand what they're going through, you know. And sometimes you look at some other, you know, some other guests and they're just like shaking their heads or just don't get it. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot goes into getting a restaurant um, up and running, but giving you the experience that you want, right? I mean... We're doing this because we love this, but at the end of the day, you're coming to have a great meal. And for me, it's I wanted to make sure it's perfect at all times yeah. um, and have that experience. But, man, from the service to the dishwasher, I mean, people don't understand what a dishwasher goes through. Mm-hmm. You know, the things we throw at them. Well, the most you know, important jobs in a restaurant. One of the most important part, and this is why, man, it's, it's we take care of, I mean, all our staff, right? We take care of our people. But the dishwashers, we show them love every day. You Extra got to love. because if you don't have them, man, whew, yeah. It's not going to be a good day. <laughs> not going to be a pretty one. No. No, I agree with everything Chef said. Um, I, th- I think I just wish people understood what we go through more. Um, it's not an easy job. I tell my line cooks all the time, like, you have to be passionate about what you do. Otherwise, you're not going to make it in this industry. So people just don't understand, like, how much our job 
actually is. Like, it's more than just coming in. They watch Food Network, right? So mm-hmm. they, they think, oh, we just come in and play with food, and here you go. No, no, my Cisco truck isn't here. <laughs> Our ETA is 3 o'clock. We start dinner service at 4. I don't have short rib to make you braise short rib that takes three hours to cook. Like, people don't understand, like, the, the intricate details. I was on um, Instagram last night, and there was a post that was talking about all chefs being alcoholics because we're crazy because we can't control our life the way that we control our kitchens. And it's kind of true. Like it's true. But, um, but yeah, people just, they, they don't understand like this industry is, it's an industry of grit. Like you have Mm -hmm. to work hard. It's tough. It's not, it's not going in and just like, Oh, you know, it's like I was telling some of my, my uh, young guys, it's like everyone want to be a chef now because they went to culinary school. They they were like, I want to be a chef. And it's like, gotta work your way up yeah right it's 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 where i mean shoot i washed dishes i did <laughs> prep i mean i did it all right and now it's like you know i'm on a, i'm fresh out of culinary school oh, you know i have this I, piece of paper yep, here you go you know i want to apply for executive chef position you're crazy <laughs> it's a lot it's a lot goes in into it um you know the entitlement is there where you know well I'm entitled to it, you know. I want to get my name on my jacket. I want to get that title. No, you gotta, you gotta put the work in. Like T said, it's it's grit. But you know what? The I won't say the best part of this job. Um, but for me, it's just the love. I've been doing this for so many years. At an early age, as a young kid, I love food, um, and yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't change it. Wouldn't change it at all. Oh, yeah. You know, it's what I love to do. Um, I love to make people happy. I love to tell my story on a plate. I love to, you know, it's it's art, right? It's like blank canvas and here you go. And making something and then having that wow factor. Same thing with food, but you have to love it. The industry is way too hard um, not to be passionate and love this because you won't make it if if you don't have that love and passion for it. So this is why we do. This is what we do. This is why we go in there, work yeah. the late nights, the long hours, is because we love it. You know, no we love people like you coming into the restaurant, having a great meal, you know, enjoying it, talking about it. That's that's rewarding to me. Yeah. So, well, for all the talents I already knew you had, apparently you have telepathy too because my last question was going to be <laughs> what's your favorite thing about being a part of the restaurant industry and you're just like I'm not even going to make you ask that, Dan. I'm just going to answer it and put it in like a beautifully eloquent way. Well, I feel like if we say anything more, we're just going to like ruin that beautiful moment. So I'm going to end the podcast right there. Almost end the podcast because I, I got to I mean, if if anyone is watching or listening to this and hasn't. I mean, if you're just not like salivating, thinking about the dishes that we described at the beginning, but also just I mean, what what they've just described, just the hard work that goes into every day into designing the restaurant into training employees. I mean, this is there are not edges being cut at Salted Edge. This is a place that is really taking that passion, honing it and creating something that's really special. I already can't wait to go back and experience more. Joelle and Tierra, thank you so much for your hard work in getting this restaurant up and running for bringing it to Omaha. And uh, thank you for coming on the podcast and giving me some time today. I appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Can't can't wait. Um, Like I said, we're just getting started. Some fun new things are going to be coming up, so we're just getting started. But we're excited to be part of the Omaha community um, because we're kind of outsiders. At least I've been bit. here for three years. But, no, it's, 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 it's awesome. 
It's awesome. The, with every, the restaurant has been well-received by a lot of, you know, shoot, not a lot, everyone. Um, so we can we can't thank everyone enough. It's it's been great. So thanks for having us on the show. Appreciate of it. Of course. And Tiara, we'll work on getting you some good pizza. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> Omar, as always, thanks for eating with us. Ahura Media Production.